0: Hey, Fungo Banner fans. Welcome back to another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner podcast. I am Eric Sorensen. Going to be joined by Kelly and Jason here any minute now, and we're fired up to bring you another episode highlighting baseball in the Pacific Northwest with our guest, Kevin Agnew, Pullman High School head baseball coach some great stuff diving into the mental side of baseball diving into coaching kids in this generation and and how to reach them better each and every year that we go about this thing but first if you need some new swag maybe some uh, gifts for your coaching staff this spring go to fungalbannerpnw.com go to the store and you'll find some new stuff on there we got some PNW tough sweatshirts where they we know the elements don't matter we have to play rain snow wind shine whatever we play in it so Go check that out. Also, as you've all been seen on our Twitter's, February 3rd, February 4th in Moses Lake, Washington, we're helping up put on a hands-on coaches clinic at the 6 facility. If you guys haven't been there before, it's a phenomenal place. Your opportunity to get away with your coaching staff one last time before the season kicks off. $50 for a coach, for to bring your whole coaching staff, it's 100 bucks. Uh, go to 10 Pin Inn and Suites, give them a call. If you reserve your spot there, 509-764-7500. Let them know you're with the Washington State Coaches Association. Come in for the coaches clinic here at the Six facility. <clears throat> Sign up at allstatebaseball.com clinics. Going to be a lot of fun, a good weekend, a good networking weekend, especially young coaches to get in there. And let's try to meet everybody from no matter what level you're at coaching. It'll be fun just to create our fraternity and help here in the Northwest and especially Washington State. Of high school baseball coaches. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring you part one with Kevin Agnew as we dive into the mental game and, and coaching them up and making sure that we're making a difference in their players' lives. So, without further ado, let's bring on coach. All right, Banner fans, we're excited to be back for another episode, and we're really pumped to have on our next guest. We, we're still sticking on the east side of the mountains, uh, what seemed to be a theme so far this season. But we're heading to God's Country down in Pullman, Washington. We got head coach Kevin Agnew from Pullman High School joining the podcast. Coach, welcome to the Fungo Banner.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here.
0: I know that the other guy on the screen, Mr. Gal over here, has definitely rolled his eyes on that God's Country comment, but I, you know... It is God's country over there in Pullman. I'm just saying, throwing it out there. So, Well, as you know, our first question, we, oh, sorry. Go ahead, coach.
1: No, I was just going to say he and I are both from Woodinville and that's the real God's country. So, you know. All right.
0: Now we're hot. Now we're hot. And we'll dive (laughs) into that that here in in our, we have a special segment just for the the Falcons, I believe, right? Yep. Yep. All right. We'll dive into that here in a little bit. So first we want to dive in. First question always, what's your favorite fungo?
1: Um, uh, so I put down the SSK. Um, I think a lot of guys I've listened to your guys' podcasts have gone with that, that and you know, that's kind of my go-to. It's been my go-to for a long time, but I, we've kind of switched over to machines too. You know, the, that we bought that defensive machine that ATEC makes and, and that's, that's pretty, pretty nice. And now we have a hat attack junior and it kind of does that same swivel and throws fly balls and stuff and especially for outfield work we we use a ton of machine stuff to get our outfielders consistent fly balls and stuff but yeah the ssk
2: coach could you give us a little bit back your uh your background and and kind of where the road that you are now there at pullman and kind of just give us a little intake on you
1: yeah uh it's it's been a long winding road um I've been a lot of places and seen a lot of different schools and systems and stuff. And, um, I, I grew up in, uh, Bremerton, Washington. My dad was the head baseball coach at central Kitsap, And we moved to Woodinville in 1990 and he took over the head baseball and then eventually the head football program. Uh, so I kind of grew up a coach's kid was real involved with that. Um, did the bat boy thing and the, the ball boy and water boy thing during football. And, um, that was a big part of my life. And I think that, uh, Know, kind of reflecting back on things it's kind of why I decided to go into education and coaching and um you know it kind of makes sense and I, I went to Woodinville and played football and baseball um for my dad and uh that had its ups and downs for sure I, he always says it was harder on me I think it was harder on him um but uh we we ended up I finished uh my high school career winning the, the state championship in 2002 uh in baseball and that was pretty special. It was, it was Woodinville's first ever state championship. And, um, you know, it was my dad's first state championship. And, uh, so that was a pretty special thing. And, um, that was a big part of my life. And then I I earned a scholarship to WSU that spring. Um, and I had shoulder surgery about two weeks after the, the last pitch of our, our state championship game. And that just never came back. Right. Um, I registered my first year there and then the winter of my, my second year there, I decided to transfer to Tacoma community college. And, um, I kind of stayed hurt there. I played a few games, um, you know, really had an amazing time with a a wonderful coach named Mike Naughton. He was a huge influence on me as well. And coach Naughton actually ended up back at WSU. And, um, unfortunately they left and, uh, we missed each other just by a little bit, but, uh, went to TCU and uh, dislocated my ankle coming around third base and was out for that year and then had another shoulder surgery and yada yada ended up back at WSU to uh, finish my teaching degree. So, um, you know, being at at Tacoma was, was a huge learning experience for me because I kind of got to see the other side of the coin and and what it was like to be injured and what it was like to be on the bench. And, um, that was tough. and, And I learned a lot from that, but I, you know, as soon as I got back to WSU, I, I, uh, got into the social studies program and um, started coaching football and baseball actually over at, at Moscow um, in Idaho there. It's about eight miles across the Idaho border. and that's kind of how I got into it. And then uh, yeah, I came back as a student taught at a place uh, called Mariner up in South Everett in the Muckle School District. Um, coached football with a, with a guy named John Anderszak, who's a Hall of Fame football coach and had a great experience there and then ended up coaching baseball that spring. And then uh, there weren't any jobs in the district, so I, I applied at North Shore and Lake Washington, and both of you know Redmond High School and Woodinville offered me teaching positions, and I don't know why, but I chose Redmond. I, I always used to say I didn't want to coach at Terry Agnew Memorial Field the rest of my life. and So I flipped the coin, took the job at Redmond, and it, it ended up being a .8 because uh, just the way that the FTE and stuff worked out, and they thought they were going to be able to make it a 1.0, but – I was right as we were rolling into the recession and um the, the uh, leadership teacher decided he didn't want to do leadership anymore and went back full time into history and so i got rifted that first year um and and really luckily and fortunately ended up at east Lake the following year i think they hired me the, the friday before our professional development stuff started that next monday and so I ended up at, at Eastlake, and, and during that time, um, I had applied for the Eastlake job in baseball the year before I didn't get it, and uh, the guy that got the Eastlake job was the Juanita coach, and so I ended up getting hired as the head baseball coach at Juanita, which worked when I was at Redmond, and then when I went up to Eastlake, it was really tough. I was driving all the way across town, so um, unfortunately, that, that coach that went to Eastlake, he, he kind of got run out. Uh, after his second year and i applied for that job and was able to get into the building i was coaching football and baseball at east lake and it was it was really great um uh and then i you know after year four um we won the, the kinko championship and um had a great year took second in uh in um the junior legion state championships and then uh, there were some anonymous complaints and things that, that led to me being non-renewed at Eastlake, and that happened in October. Uh, and so I ended up teaching that the rest of that year and ended up coaching at Woodenville. And so that was kind of a tough one. And I decided I was going to leave that teaching job, and I was lucky to get a job up at Kamiak in Mukilteo, that same district that I had student taught, and went up there not thinking I was going to really do much other than coach football. And I got connected with Dan Mack, who's a Hall of Fame football coach, and. And he kind of took me under his wing, and I got to coach with him a little bit. And then um, our head baseball coach uh, asked if I would take on the JV job. And I said, sure. And he was sick at the time. Um, he, had, he was terminally ill with cancer, and he ended up passing away uh, in June of that year after that season got over. And I kind of reluctantly applied for the head job and got it. And was at Kamiak for a few years, and Coach Mac retired, and I was I was really happy there. We literally lived right across the street from I could see my portable that I taught in from our bedroom window. It was really a great setup, and um, a, a great guy named Bryant Thomas took over as the football coach, and, and he and I became very close. And uh, one day, my wife came home and said uh, her dream job just opened, and it was all female PE uh, at Coleman high school and I said all right well let's go for it and she got it right away it took me over a while to get hired <laughs> I finally find a English job at the middle school over here so after teaching social studies and English for 11 years in high school I uh, got hired as a seventh grade English teacher and let me tell you what a whirlwind and I came over here uh with zero intention of coaching baseball um I thought I might get into legion or something involved with football uh, because Mike Kincaid was actually the head baseball coach and he's, he's kind of a Cougar legend. And um, I thought he'd probably be the coach for a long time. And then he ended up resigning and um, heading off to California to take a college job and the job opened. And I, you know, I thought about it, thought about it. And I decided to jump in with both feet. And um, that first year, the second week of my first year at Coleman COVID hit (laughs) and shut down our season. Um, you guys know what that was all about I was actually excited to come on here and not talk about COVID though so um, (laughs) that shut us down and we had that goofy year the next year and I helped coach football and it was in February and I mean I was in like snowboard gear up on a wet football field just going what am I doing and then baseball started we had a we had a good team um, a really good team we went 13-1 and I think and had a couple of kids go play college baseball and stuff, but we started seven seniors. So then we came back this year and it was like starting brand new all over. Um, And so I'm heading into year four at Pullman, but it kind of feels like year one and a half in a lot of ways. Um, So I'm excited because this is kind of the first year where we have a lot of kids back and um, things are starting to kind of move into like a normal program for us. So, Long story short, uh, like I said, a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs. But uh, I am now in God's country, Pullman, Washington, coaching <laughs> baseball and, and coaching football as well.
2: Amen.
0: <laughs> well, to throw a little curveball at you, you know, to, to keep on this for a second, you know, the quote, the, "I am the pieces of all the places I have been." I mean, that's quite the road. How has yeah. that molded you to become the coach you are now?
2: Uh,
1: it, it's. Yeah, I heard Coach Jim Clem, um, who's a longtime guy at Burlington. He's a he's a friend of my dad's, and you know, kind of by proxy, he's become a friend of mine over the years. He said, and it sort of stuck with me. He said, you know, the first four years are really hard. And I was like, man, I've done the first four years three times I now, I and mean, it man. is hard. It's it's really hard, and it's been really hard coming over to Pullman because I I don't know anybody. Like, you know, when I went to Juanita um, my best friend who was in my wedding and stuff was my assistant coach and when I went to Eastlake um, you know the, the basketball coach there was he married my wife and I and and then my assistant coach is uh, you know Blake Hawksworth dad Mark and he ended up being a part of our wedding and then when I went to Kamiak Mark followed me up there and um, my dad was my assistant there so I, I've had you know people that I know and my best friends and my dad and everything I've been part of my coaching staff and coming over here I just walked into something brand new I didn't know anybody um I didn't know the the, the school I didn't know the culture and I'm down in the middle school so I'm not up at the high school as much as I'd like to be you know I felt like I used to live there before I had kids and everything else and um so that's been challenging you know And, and then going through you know some of the negative stuff I went through. it's like, that was really hard. um That was an eye opener. You know, I I took that job over when I was 24, 25 years old, and I probably wasn't ready. Looking back, you know, I did my best, and had you know we had some really good things happen, and you know that going through that non-renewal stuff was was really difficult. But you know, I also look at that, and I, I have some lifelong friends that I made through that process, and some kids. You know, when Kate and I moved to Pullman. Uh, three of my baseball players from Eastlake were still going to school here, and they helped us move into the house. You know, so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's one of those things you know people say everything happens for a reason, and um, you know I never thought I would leave Juanita, but those are some of my favorite kids that I've ever uh, been around for those that second year at Juanita High School. I loved those kids, and then um, I never thought I would leave Eastlake, and things happened, and then you know I got to Tamiak and my best friend was the football coach, and I, yeah, everything was perfect, and then all of a sudden, boom we're heading out and uh we, we ended up having our third kid too but, you know my wife found she was pregnant right after we decided to move and that threw another wrench into it and you know it's it's just life and it, I think it's probably prepared me to be a, a good coach and a good you know leader of young people and teacher and all that kind of stuff because I've, I've been through some challenges and I've, I've seen the other side of the coin and now I appreciate you know what I have and I can reflect on that and uh be real happy with what I've gone through and what I've done, but uh, also you know, learn from some of those things as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, we want to – you know, one of the things I really wanted to talk about with you, I mean, you've been through – you've been in the high school game for a very long time, and, and I know it's something that we've all – and we're not going to say that word of what just happened. Like you said, we don't want to talk about COVID anymore, right? But we know, we're still seeing the side effects with our players, and I know that I saw it this year with our guys, and it seems like – everybody I've talked to has had the same we're all kind of dealing with the same thing and you know talk to us about coaching the current high school kid and, and things have changed a lot over time and and I don't want this to be like uh, oh they're just we're tougher back then, right but the, the kids have just changed and yeah. it's just how how you know nature works and evolution and and but you know you're t- trying to reach today's student athlete. I mean, there's challenges there's 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 so many rewards within it. But just talk about how things have changed and how people need to really do kind of put more effort into reaching today's student athlete.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it was funny because you sent me that last night about kind of preparing for that question, and I was was actually sitting in my class with my middle school kids today, sort of just looking at them bouncing off the walls two days before Christmas break, and I just said – how am I going to answer this question? You know, <laughs> and then I came home and I, I said to my wife, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound jaded about this or anything else. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to answer this question, but you know, I have some thoughts about that. I, I think, I think this is a topic that that's on everybody's mind. And, and to be honest with you, I, I probably, you'd probably have better luck finding out an answer like this from a guy like Wyatt Tonkin or my Dad or Coach Clem or something, you know, because they they saw what the what we were like. You know, I was one of those kids that was coached. You know, kind of back before nine eleven hit and the recession hit, and some of these real game changing, you know, world events uh, happened and changed education, changed you know our lifestyle and everything else. And um, you know, but I, I, you know, I've been doing it now for about fifteen years, and. My big thing is I don't think kids have changed. Um I think we have changed as adults, you know, and I think I think our expectations of them have changed. I think the things that we deem important when we're raising kids has changed. I think the way that we talk to them, I think the way that we raise them, I think all of that has really changed and and as a result of that, I think kids have changed a little bit and you know, example of that like like loyalty you know that would be one of those things where people say you know back in my day kids were loyal and you know and, and and i get it but we've also created an environment where loyalty and being committed to a team or a community or a marriage or whatever that might look like um that might not necessarily be the top priority that or even the the environment the kids are are you know being a part of and i you know you look at social media and some of the things that influence those kids and you know, not not that it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but some of the things that have become a priority in these kids' lives uh, are a reflection of of you know the things that we as educators and parents and everything else are, are providing them. You know, toughness is a, another one that I think about, and I you know I just I took my dad to the Army Navy game for his 70th birthday a couple weeks ago, and you know I was sitting there with him because well, he and I always talk about toughness. That's always been a really important thing to me, and that's always been a really important thing to him, and. You know, looking at those kids that are heading into the academies and are graduating it's like those guys are tough you know there's no question that those kids are tough and so again i think it's it's what we prioritize you know i think we we talk a lot to our kids now about kindness and, and those sorts of things and we might not necessarily talk to them quite as much about you know toughness and those sorts of things and and it's it's you know I remember growing up everybody said sticks and stones will break my bones words will never hurt me you know and I I've been teaching that to my daughter and um, I think we've kind of gotten away from some of those kinds of things and and it's that whole you know idea of kind of smoothing out the pathway for the kids as we're raising them versus getting them ready for that rough path you know and I think that's one of the best things about baseball is it, it still is a way that you can really develop toughness and um, develop, you know, loyalty and all those kinds of things that we want out of young men in particular. Um, and that's, it's an environment that's going to create that. And so, you know, again, yeah, I think it's not necessarily wrong. Um, it's, it's the way that kids are being raised and it's the way that we're talking to kids and everything else. And we just have to, as, as teachers and as coaches understand that that's the culture and that's the environment that we're in right now. And um, so I think you got to kind of be proactive with it, and I think the other thing is you got to understand the influences that are there in their lives right now. You know, they have YouTube and social media and video games, and kids are getting information from that. You know, back in our day, quote unquote, we got information from our teachers and our coaches and our parents and our church and you know our community centers and things like that um and now they're getting information from wherever they want and you know who knows where that's coming from and if that's good information and everything else but you know i I still think kids are kids um i i can't i couldn't find it today but i remember reading the john wooden story and all of his books if you guys have ever read those they have kind of like letters to the team and you know notes to himself and things like that and there's this one section in there that says you know these kids are so lazy and they don't follow through on anything and they're entitled blah, blah, blah. and it was a reflection from him in like 1948 teaching high school English you know and so it's like people were worried about that back then i guarantee you if you went back to like hunter gatherer time or caveman time there's going to be old cavemen sitting around talking about how lazy the young cavemen are you know it's just it's it's what we naturally do um and i think You know it's it's just part of it and one of his quotes that really kind of grabbed me today was having worked with young people all my life I can tell you for a fact that today's kids are crying out for discipline and he said that a long time ago you know and I I think that's I think that's a big part of it I think discipline and structure um, is important and I think we've kind of gotten away from the purpose of discipline and I think we've gotten away from the structure and it's it's not necessarily to punish kids um or come down on them or fail them or anything like that it's it's about correcting behavior it's a positive thing when you think about it and i think we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit And so you know how do i go about it I, i'm not perfect you know I'm, I'm still trying to learn you know I, i'm raising kids myself and i think about my daughter all the time and, and how i can develop a sense of toughness in her as she kind of goes out into this world and, and deals with it and i think you know, I think kids today are very concerned by about being treated fairly. You know, I think I see that in, in school a lot where kids will say, you know, why are you picking on me and not him when they're both talking, you know, and that kind of thing. And so I think clearly communicating, setting your expectations early is key. Um, and then I think being consistent with your approach is key. And obviously, you know, that age old saying of, You know, some kids need a hug, some kids need a kick in the shorts, and some kids need to be left alone. You've got to figure that out as a coach, as a teacher. Uh, But you also have to understand that that when it comes to your values and what's important in your program and your expectations and consequences and all that sort of thing, you got to be crystal clear and you got to be consistent um, or people are going to look right through that, especially today. Um, And I think, you know, if we're going to expect something out of a kid like team first or selflessness or hard work or whatever that might be, we need to teach it to them, we need to model it, and then we need to provide a system of structure and discipline that develops it. And we need to hold them accountable for those things that we've taught them, and and we need to have high expectations for them. And, you know, in the end, the kids are going to go to social media, and they're going to go to that to find exposure, and they're going to go to that to find hitting drills and commitment announcements and all that sort of stuff. They're not going there finding role models for mental toughness, and they're not going there finding out about relationship expectations and understanding team dynamics and those sorts of things and character-driven value and all that kind of stuff. That's our job to model those things still as, as high school coaches, I think. And, and there's, a, there's a place for that. And to build those things into our program, I think, is important. And they might not get it right now in the moment. and They might not get it next week but eventually that's going to come back to them And i think that's where we you know think about teaching life lessons and instilling those things and i think to kind of circle back to the current high school kid i think those things are really really important to work on with those kids and, and i think that's where you can do that and ultimately they want to have fun they want to compete they want to do something they're good at um they really really especially young men do not want to look bad. i think they have a, a almost fear of of looking bad in front of their classmates and teammates and everything else. And they want to be part of something special and something important. And I I think that's, that's a big thing for this current generation of kids. And I think there's a a lot of really uh, important uh, things that we can teach them and that that we can help them experience in our programs as we start thinking about uh, baseball and football and the classroom and everything else.
2: Yeah, Coach, I was just going to follow up with that. How, how do and in what ways can we as coaches kind of hone down the information that's being given to these guys? What I mean by that, you may get a kid in and, and, and a way of not being disrespectful to their parents or maybe to a family member or something like that. But, you know, you got so much information out there. You got Twitter, you got Instagram, like you're saying. And they see a video and they go, well, this guy says I got a hit like this. You know, or, you know, years ago, about uh, six years ago, I had a kid his dad played, you know, high school baseball. And he says, you got to have a high leg f- front leg kick, you know, in order to be successful. And he, so he comes to practice one day. And, and I'm like, baby, what are you changing up, man? He's like, you've been consistent with this. This has been working while a sudden you, well, my uncle was watching me swing this week. And he says I got to k- create a higher leg kick in the front side of my body. And, and so how, how would you, you know, kind of inform that listener today uh, in what ways that we can kind of be respectful of what the information is given but also not, you know, totally depress the kid and saying he's totally wrong with what's been given to him. Sure.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a, you got to walk a tightrope with that, you know, because you know, like you said, you want to give respect to the information that they're getting. And, yeah. I had, a, I had a kid at Kamiak and it drove my dad crazy. Um, Cause he was kind of our hitting coach and this kid would come in every single day with a different swing. And it just, drove my dad nuts and where did you you I was watching this video I was watching that video and I said "Dad, this is the world we're in now man you got to kind of adapt and um so I think there's that's not going away anytime soon and and I think you know for me I'll tell you a story about when I was at Eastlake I, I was coaching football and the quarterback was a really good player and I had gone out one day and he was throwing, and I said, "You don't know, we'll do this or that." I came remember. and I told him. He goes, "Oh, my dad taught me how to throw," and I was like, "Okay, buddy, listen, <laughs> like, you know." And I was young; it was like, oh, and it turns out that was Jack Kemp's kid, so it was like, I'm sure he got some pretty good information from his former Pro Bowl dad, um, you know. But it, I, I think a big part of it is, is understanding that the kids are not doing that to show you up or to disrespect you or to make you look bad or anything like that. It's the same thing in, in education. You know, I get kids that come into the classroom and, you know, I have, I have, you know, tenured professors in social studies with kids in my class, you know, so they're getting tremendous information at home. And, you know, I think we have a, a kind of a, natural inclination one to kind of get defensive when that happens um or two to say okay well he's got this information and like you know Keegan I, I'm, I'll just leave him be you know and I, I remember Keegan came to me after a practice I really worked him hard kind of last couple of weeks of that football season and he goes I had never been coached that much before and I think a lot of it was that people said well this is Jack Kemp's kid I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna step on his toes and that kind of thing but Keegan was looking for that you know information so I think you got to go into it with an open mind. Um, you got to go into it saying, "This is my job is to coach this kid and, and do these things." And if they bring information to you, not to have a, a you know emotional quick reaction to that. Um, but you know, we talk to our kids all the time. It's an old Bruce Brown saying, "Is assume positive intent from your coaches, right?" And so I think it's on the flip side, assume positive intent from the kid. They're trying to, they're coming to you, you know, hopefully as an expert, saying, "Here's this information. What do you think?" You know, and I think we oftentimes jump jump at that in a different way. I know I've been guilty of that a lot, and um, so I think you know the way you respond to them is really really important. Um, but then also you know just understanding that part of you know and you guys that have been in the classroom and the coach for a long time and that kind of thing, understand you know it's that same old thing. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, and you've got to kind of model that um, that character as a as a coach. You've got to model that that knowledge you got to make good decisions. You got to show them techniques that are going to work. So you got to work hard at that and figure that information out and make sure what you're bringing to them to develop as a player is, is good stuff. Um, and then I think that stuff will mesh, you know, and, and again, there's no perfect way of, of going about that. Um, and guys are going to make mistakes and jump on kids when they come to them with that kind of stuff. Cause it's just, it happens. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have right now, um, is that kids have, so much information coming to them. They're playing on a bunch of different teams. You know, they, over here, we got guys that play football, baseball, and basketball, and then have a, you know, travel team for basketball, have a travel team for baseball, have a seven-on-seven team. Seven. So you're talking about, like, six coaches that are telling these kids different things, and that's a lot of information for them to process, and that's hard on them at times. Um, and so, you know, again, I, I don't have a perfect answer for that, but I think being open-minded and, and having that conversation with them Again, going back to clearly communicating your expectations with that, like, you know, Hey, during practice, when I'm coaching you hard, I, we, I'm, it's not a place where we're going to have a conversation about data or weighted balls or long toss or whatever else, you know, but my door is always open. So come back tomorrow and let's find a time to talk about it and, and that kind of thing. I think, you know, again, clearly communicating your expectations up front, I think is where you start with any of that kind of stuff. And then assuming positive intent on the kid's part, just like you would hope they would do for you.
3: Yeah. I think a lot of what you talk about is, is, and we, and we preach this hard at the college level, it's a little different. Um, But really it's not, is, is they want to feel ownership for their development, right? Well, they want to feel like they were the reason why something worked out right. And having that two-way street of communication where, Hey, try this out, give me feedback and then try out your thing, see how, how that works together and find that mesh point of what works best for that player. You know, and I I think that we've all been in this long enough to know that, um, what works for one player doesn't work for another one. And if if you're in it long enough, you know, that there's different, you know, prescriptions for each player and they might be stuck on one thing where they see their buddy who is doing really well, does this one thing. And I want to model him. Well, you might not move the same way as he does. You might be not be as tall. Your hips might not work the same way. Um, so they get lost in this like, you know, um, FOMO of this guy does this. So I have to move this certain way. You know, you see it, the professional player hits a certain way. So I have to kind of model how that guy looks and those type of things. But the the best relationships we've created with guys is, is them feeling out what we're trying to tell them to do. And then, you know, having that feedback loop of, hey, this works, this didn't work. Okay, let's try this now and find the right way for him to succeed, right? And and I think it, it the player is just as guilty as the coaches at times that, you know, the whole old school coach type thing where they're stuck in, it has to be done this way or has to work that way. Like, no, like you're just as close by as the player coming in thinking that what he saw on Twitter or what his other coach said is the only way to do it, right? So if you close him out, he'll close you out and naturally you don't have that, relationships that works with coaching, right? It's, it is a two way street and we have to be able to value their opinions as much as, as ours. And and we're constantly learning and trying to get better in our craft. And, and I think we learn stuff from our players all all the time, right? They do something that you might not with their abilities or their off season work or whatever might've happened. And, and that informs you of, of doing it as well. So I like having that relationship side of things and, you know, being able to talk with guys directly and um, closing them out is, is the worst thing you can do. And we've all had coaches that are, tell coaches, right. I'm going to tell you how to do it. And this is how you're going to do it. Um, But the ones that work with you, I think are the ones that have that lasting impact. The ones that you go back to thinking like, I really like that guy. Like he worked with me, like he gave me special attention or talked specifically about something. Um, But that's definitely been, been our best side of things. So um, I guess for transition to the mental game here, it kind of, kind of goes off of some of the stuff that we talked about. Um, I, I, I kind of got a different theme from you just in, in hearing you talk and, and whatnot, but, um, rather than just like kind of the general mental game, uh, what do you kind of value on the baseball field of, of what those skills of, of toughness and grit and, you know, kind of those traditional baseball things? Like how are you kind of instructing or using baseball field as a classroom, for teaching some of those tools and strengths for guys, whether that's in the mental game or maybe in in discipline and what you uh, maybe prioritize, some absolutes, that kind of stuff. If you want to spitball on that,
1: yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I love what you say about kind of developing that open communication with the kids because I think you know I think they it's hard to do in the first couple of years, but once you kind of get your expectations set and you, you get your upperclassmen can kind of start leading things a little bit for you. And I think that's important to give them that, that leadership role. And, you know, one of the ways that I've I've kind of tried to create that was through sort of our mental curriculum. And I've, I've spent a lot of time, um, over the last 15 years, especially early on, um, you know, digging into guys like Brian Kane. Yeah. At one point, um, I, I had his book and I got on his website and said he was going to be in Ellensburg, Washington. And so, um, I can't think of coach's name of Todd. I called Todd Gibson up there at Ellensburg and I said, Hey man, can I come up and sit in on this? And he was like, sure. And I I was sitting up in the back row and we're going through all this stuff. And Brian King says, you get down here. You're going to break a board with your head. And I'm like, I'm just here to watch. What are you talking about? um, You know, just stuff like that, that you, you can kind of, find some things because you know, Brian has a ton of stuff out there, a ton of great information. And I've been able to pull some really good things from him about being present and some of his philosophies and things like that. Um, You know, Bruce Brown, I was really lucky. Bruce actually taught at the middle school at Fed Eastlake. And so I got connected with him early on and, his book about trust and and developing core covenants and motivation with young athletes and things. It's just incredible. And I've been lucky to go up and actually go to his house and sit and talk to him about, you know, the culture and developing a program. Um, you know, heads up baseball is one that that, that a lot of us have used. And that's kind of been a staple of, of my mental curriculum and, um, and then I was lucky because, you know, at Woodinville, that was a big focus was playing hard and, and mental toughness. And, uh, um, you know, as, as I look back, I, I don't think we even realized some of the things that that we were doing um, to kind of get ready for that and to prepare ourselves to compete and to prepare ourselves for big moments. And, um, you know, I've always thought that that it's – how do you teach toughness i i've always asked myself that i i don't think you necessarily can teach it i think you got to put kids in an environment um that's going to force them to respond to that and and the toughness and the challenge and overcoming that and getting through those things is is part of building that toughness building that mental toughness and i think it's it's something that everybody inherently can develop um you might not necessarily know it right away but you know, one of the first things that we do in, in our program, and this goes all the way back to Woodinville and coach, you probably remember this is we come in at 6am and we run. And, you know, when we first do that, kids are a little nervous about it. And, you know, we pull out the garbage cans, throw up in here, no problem, you know, and they're all in good shape. They're ready to go. They're not going to do that. But it's one of those things where we get through it and we do a lot of stretching and we do a lot of different things that first week in the morning before school. And then we get done with it and they all kind of go, Oh, that wasn't so bad, you know, and they get through that together. And I think that's one of the first steps that we take towards kind of putting them in that environment and, and developing that mental toughness. And Because again, it's during that week. It's tough, you know. You got cold weather in the afternoon. They're competing for a spot on the team. They've got to get up before school and come and do this when it's dark out, and and then figure out how to get the homework done. And so it's a it's a lot of challenges. And I think you know, putting them in that environment um, kind of forces them to step up and, and be resilient and figure out how to get the job done. Um, and then one of the first things that we do, you know, as soon as our, our running and stretching or whatever we're doing those mornings gets done, we all lay down and, and we close our eyes and we start learning how to breathe. And I have them breathe in and out on me and I take them through kind of cadence, breathe in, breathe out. So they slow their breath down and kind of get, get a feel for how to control their breath when they're tired and out of breath and everything else. And, and then they close their eyes and they, they visualize a state championship and we go through and say, you know, what does it look like? What does it sound like? Who's there? What's it feel like? It's hot you know, here in Yakima or Tri-Cities or wherever you're at. It's going to be hot. Um, what's it smell like? You know, everything else. And and so they kind of start day one with that state championship and visualizing themselves there. And then we go back to winning the second game of the regional. And then we go back to winning the league championship or whatever that might be. And we start from day one with, with making the environment really challenging for them and um, teaching them some techniques like visualization and breathing to get through that and to, to see themselves in a, in a positive place. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we start. And then, you know, a few years back, I kind of went through heads up baseball and and you guys know it's very interactive. There's a lot of things for kids to do in that, in that book. And so I've kind of pulled some things out of there and made some worksheets and stuff like that. And so we sort of start there with with figuring out you know they talk about their internal traffic lights and knowing if you're green and feeling good or getting into a yellow or red and recognizing you know the things that, that get you into those sticky situations where you start getting uncomfortable and frustrated and everything else and and you know we talk to them about using their breath and finding a focal point kind of having a routine to get themselves back on track whether. they're that is a bad thing that happened or they're just getting, you know, too excited or they got butterflies or something for a big game, using that breath to slow things down and visualizing themselves, have success. So those are kind of some of the first plays we start. We you know, one of the things we do um, is an activity from a book called Mind Gym where we make a three by five index card and we say you know, these are the things that, that I do when I'm really playing well. And then these are kind of the things that allow me to do that. So when I'm, when I'm playing well, I'm locating my spots and I'm pitching ahead and that kind of stuff. And what allows me to do that is breaking my hands over the rubber and being balanced and that sort of thing. So they keep that three by five in their bag and they can go to that when they need to. So, you know, for me, the, the, the mental game, I think there's kind of a couple of different pieces to it. I think, you know, you think about peak performance and and some of those things that, um, you know you can kind of create culture building and program building and, and sort of developing that peak performance mindset and then i think there's the the piece of baseball specifically of kind of recognizing the challenges that come from baseball and how to you know understand what sets you off and what gets you frustrated and gets you into that yellow and red and how to get back from that. Um, and then I also think there's, there's teaching the game within the game. Um, and I think I kind of couple this with just life stuff too. You know, we, we talk about how we treat our moms and our girlfriends and our classmates in the hallways, you know, and that'll be a couple of minutes that we'll talk about things like that. And we'll talk about sacrifice bunting and we'll talk about how to score a big inning and what, you know, when we're looking to do that, and everything else and that's always, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll bring some of those different things in and, you know, I think teaching the game within the games is huge. And, and I, I, I uh, you know, again, I, my ultimate goal for that is to develop a sense of toughness. We want, you know, I, I want programs that play hard. I want coaches to walk over at the end of the game and say, Man, your kids really battle. They really play hard. And I think that's important. Um, and so, you know, that's that's kind of my stuff with, with the mental game. And um, I can get more into kind of, some of the other things that we do with that. And like, I, you know, a little bit with hitting, I might get into a little bit more of that kind of stuff. Is there anything specific you guys want to talk about? But yeah, you know, I just think we talk a lot about, um, you know, have an approach, have a plan, you know, why do you play the game, that sort of stuff. And I think it's important to, to go through that stuff and, and talk to the kids about that and teach them the game and teach them the, you know, intangible parts of the game and all that sort of stuff. And I think, again, it, it gets back to the idea of, Um, getting kids that are, that are are bought in and getting kids that are going to play hard, um, and, and developing the program
2: that way. Coach, you you know, I always love the analogy of of mental toughness or just toughness is kind of like building the calluses amongst your hands, you know, I'm, you know, and getting in to the weight room or picking up that bat for the first time in the spring or, or leading up to that, you know, it's always super painful, but once you have a good buildup of skin on those hands it gets a lot easier. I just want to ask how important is the consistency in your uh, mental prep work that you guys do there at the high school? You know, I know know a lot of different coaches may try one or two things and then they want to change it up to different, something different. But how important is having that same consistency year in, year out?
1: Uh, I I think it's important um, when you're kind of talking about the – sort of foundation and the expectations and, and, um, you know, what, what kind of team we want to be, how we want to play, um, you know, how, how we want to, you know, hold ourselves up in the classroom the community and everything else. And I think it's important to be consistent with that because then, you know, like I mentioned, you, you can create an environment where your upperclassmen are starting to kind of take ownership for that. And so that part's important. Um, but I also think you can, you can create, uh sort of an environment for them where you know they can expect things along the way but then you can throw in new things here and there and kind of keep them on their toes or bring in new things and you know one of the things we like to do is um we have a couple of minutes you know the way practice starts and I'll talk more about this one down the road but you know our kids come in every day and um we put our practice plan up on the board and then we have kind of a couple of minutes you know Augie Garrido used to call it tight time at, at Fresno or Cal State Fullerton and you know, we kind of have a couple of minutes where we let the kids get settled in the dugout and kind of, you know, put everything behind them from the day. And we'll talk to them about different topics, you know, like I mentioned. And, you know, we'll tell them stories about, like, you 2 when Bono was, you know, threatened with assassination, that he went out and played the show and closed his eyes and all of his bandmates took turns standing in front of him, you know, and those kinds of things to kind of get the kids thinking about how important it is to be on a team and, and how important it is to be a baseball player and the the respect that that deserves and the hard work that that you know deserves and, and all of that sort of thing and so i think there's there's some things that we do like the way we structure our, our first two weeks um and some of the the mental skills and mental topics that we get those kids you know we we, we expect our kids to sprint on and off the field. And so we put them in the dugout and teach them how to sprint to their spot, you know. and um, Those are things that are, are set in stone. and We're going to do that every year. Um, and the kids kind of know what to expect of that, you know. And I talk to the seniors. We'll have that talk in a couple of, of weeks when we have our team meeting. Um, and just the idea of, hey, you know, the freshmen are really worried about 6 a.m. workouts. It's your guys' job to remind them that it's not going to be that bad. And it's important for us to do it, you know? And so just stuff like that. I've heard Coach Archer say, you know, he has a senior freshman meeting his first couple weeks of practice and the freshmen get to ask them questions. And I thought that was a great, what a great idea. Um, And so, you know, that's something we're going to try this year, I think. And so I think, you know, again, there's just some pieces that are are set in stone and we're going to do that no matter what um, that I believe in and, and I've done for a long time. And then there's some pieces that we're going to, um, change and, and, you know, the, the week of school might dictate what we talk about, you know, and, and the way that we played on Friday night might dictate what we talk about and things like that. Um, and so I think you, you got to kind of ebb and flow as, as a coach or as a teacher and, and figure out, you know, what's important to this specific group that you have right now. And, you know, that's going to also kind of impact the, the things that you want to focus on and the things that you want to develop.
3: Coach, as a as a fellow Woodenville grad, go Falcons! Throw it out there. A lot, of, a lot of history and stuff there, and I know you dug into a little bit about about your background there. And and I was fortunate enough to to play, you know, for your dad. And and um, we had a decent team my senior year. Um, that up, you know, getting to the regional and then getting our ass kicked, but um. <laughs> A lot of a lot of good a lot of good kind of I, I see a lot of of what you know we went through as as players there that, that stuff that you're still doing within your program whether it was the six a.m. workouts which I remember as a as a sophomore back when it was a three year school came in I didn't have my physical paperwork or something in and that was not good uh, couldn't do the first six a.m. in there and I think that was my kiss of death but um, it got better after that. But then just, I'm just kind of flashing back as you're talking, which is kind of all the kind of regimented as I felt like everything was not, not militaristic, but like there was a, a process to everything we did daily. It was the same routine. You know, I can remember going to stretching lines, having the, you know, country CD play with the same 10 songs that you would start singing the song that would come after it before it even started, because you knew that was the record to going into you know, steal jumps was the first thing we'd do with put a pitcher out there with some throwdown catchers and trying to steal you know, bases to you know for corners to infield work. Everything had a, had its own principle and and purpose with that. But um, how much have, have you taken just from you know kind of what your dad's you know taught you and in, in him being a coach and um, how how has that kind of impacted your instruction and. Um, maybe developed you to, to who you are, and um, what was it like being a, a coach's kid and then end up being kind of in the same position as a teacher coach after that? Do you feel kind of a, you know, a, a sense of pride that you have to live up to and to kind of honor that standard? Is it more nostalgic now? What What's kind of that dynamic, and, and what have you taken from your days back back being a Woodenville Falcon?
1: Yeah, go Falcons. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there's a lot there. I think, uh, you know, the first part, when it, when it comes to practices, I could still tell you exactly what we did as well. You know, and I, I, I remember going through progressions, you know, and roll your ground ball and you put your glove on do your short hop. I mean, I, I remember every single one of those things. And I think one of the things that my dad was really, really good at, at Woodville was his organization and, and his practice planning. Um, we always had a place to be. We were always moving um, and that, that's definitely something I've taken, you know, I've, I've worked really hard over the years to, to study up on things. Uh, I think my, my foundation of all of that, you know, we still start with jumps every other day, you know, and do the, those same kinds of drills. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've kind of used all of that as a foundation. I still have old practice plans. It actually might've been your senior year to balance with you, <laughs> from those,
2: um, <laughs> that,
1: I, that I've taken from my dad and, um, it's definitely built a foundation. And then I, you know, I've taken some things that I've learned along the way and some, you know, different ways of approaching things and kind of, you know, fused that with what I went through with him and what he developed over his years and and everything else. And so, um, you know, my, my practices don't look as, as regimented as, as his used to. Um, sometimes I, I wish they did. Um, You know, it used to drive him nuts when we were at Kamiak. We'd do different things all the time. (laughs) He just didn't get it. It would drive him crazy. Um, But, you know, part of that is for me, I've kind of – come up in that same google generation you know that our kids have and i'm, I'm constantly looking at new things and, and i i really enjoy studying different coaches and reading books and and you know going on the abCA and seeing their videos and going on their national high school coach and coach tube and all these different resources we have access to and sometimes that's really good like with some good stuff but sometimes it's not so good because i you know start doing a million different things i gotta remind myself to just get back to what i know and what i believe in and what works for me and um so i I think you know i was very fortunate to to play in in that program and as as we all were that got to play in that program and um it it prepared me for the job i'm doing now tremendously um and and i'm you know like i said I'm, i'm very fortunate one of the things about Woodenville was we, we were all very proud of being from Woodenville, you know, and I, I think that that's something that I try to instill in my kids as well is is that pride and the uniform that you wear and the guys that came before you and what that means. And I think that was a big deal at Woodenville, Um, you know, I'm, I, that's something I really want to make over the years, be, be a big deal in Coleman as well. Um, the whole coach's kid thing, uh, that was hard, you know, and, and it was really hard cause I, I started for him when I was a sophomore in football and in baseball. And a a big part of that was a a senior that was ahead of me, got hurt. And otherwise I wouldn't have been starting. And, um, that was tough. You know, it was, it was really tough. And it's, you know, we had a a thing this year where one of our kids was not playing very well. And the the fans started chanting, we want the other guy and that kind of stuff. And I went through that as a sophomore as well. So it, it directly prepared me for that because I, I remember what that felt like and that, allowed me to have a conversation with that young man that, that I think probably, uh, made a difference for him because I, I was coming from the same place, you know, and it wasn't easy. Um, you know, and then fast forward to the senior year where, you know, I was expected to know just about everything that we were doing and that was hard at times. Um, but again, I, you know, junior year was pretty hard, you know, sophomore year was okay because i didn't know any better and senior year was great because we were good (laughs) so you know but that junior year was tough because we struggled a little bit um yeah that was that was tough but i I think it's harder on on the coaches you know i really do because as kids you know we put that stuff down pretty quick and we move on with what we're doing and coaches internalize it and they they think every single word that they said to the kid in every single situation we pick apart a million times over think about what we could have done differently and everything else. And, um, you know, so I think that was pretty challenging for my dad to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, it, it I think what it did, it, it made my early years as a coach kind of difficult because coaches, you know, my because my dad was the head football coach too. So those guys would all come on camping trips with us. And I, you know, I'd sit and listen to their stories for hours on end. I revered high school football and baseball coaches. I mean, they were, they walked on water. And then when I became one, I didn't necessarily understand why everyone else didn't revere high school coaches like I did, you know? And so it took me some time to kind of realize, uh, you know, make the big time where you're at and and don't worry about the noise outside and all that kind of stuff, because I never really saw a lot of that stuff um, growing up and I didn't understand the other side of things. It was always something i wanted to do something i, I respected and, and looked up to tremendously um and you know now that i'm getting a little bit older i've got kids of my own and now i'm a little bit older than the kids that are there i've got some gray in my beard i'm losing my hair and everything else um i'm starting to kind of realize some of those pieces that that make coaches um important in kids lives and it's not necessarily the role that we have or the title that we have it's the It's the work that we do um you know it's the relationships that we create it's the messages that we give our kids it's the hope that we give our kids um you know i've told kids i believe in you and i love you more in the last five years than i did the first 10 years you know and i think that's a that's a natural progression uh for a coach for any young man i think that's a natural progression and it's one that you know I'm starting to get to, and it's, it makes me respect those coaches that I had growing up and guys like my dad and the other people that have the impact on me even more, you know? And I think it's, it's given me a perspective about teaching and coaching that you can't get if you're not in that position. Um, And it's also given me a respect and a love for the profession that, uh, you know, doesn't go away.
0: Well, that wraps up part one of our episode with Pullman head high school baseball coach, Kevin Agnew, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Please share this with somebody, anybody, someone that might not have heard from us, someone that's might get into coaching, a new guy, little league coach that you might know that just needs something to listen to and get fired up as uh, we hope you guys all had a Merry Christmas and we're about to get into the new year and baseball season's literally right around the corner. High high school guys, we got a few months. College guys will be kicking off practice as soon as they get back on campus and it's just going to be a fun time. So share this episode with someone. Let's try to grow this thing a little bit more each and every time. Uh, speaking of that, you know, February 3rd and 4th, like I said in the intro, Moses Lake, Washington, we're putting on a hands on clinic with the Washington State Baseball Coaches Association. Kevin, me, Brian Jackson out at Graham Campalis, and also our president of the Washington State Baseball Coaches Association have been working on this thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Not your ordinary clinic sitting around taking notes. You're going to be hands on in person at the six. $50 a coach, $100 to bring your whole staff for one last coaches retreat before the season kicks off. And like I said earlier, you get. Well, actually, earlier I didn't say this, but WIA and OSB Clock Hours will be available. Chance to connect with coaches from all over the state and just a great opportunity to gather and talk some shop. Hotel discounts available. First come, first serve, 10 pin in and suites. Just call 509-764-7500. Let them know you're with the Washington State Coaches Association coming to the coaches clinic at the 6 Athletic Facility. And make sure to get signed up for the clinic at www.allstatebaseballclinics.com slash clinics. I'm apologize. I didn't say that right. It's www.allstatebaseball.com backslash clinics. And also check us out. Fungal banner PNW. We got some new shirts and stuff on there. And also a big shout out to safeguard out of the tri cities. If you come to this clinic, there will be some door prizes. There will be fungal banner gear. That's made by safeguard. We're even going to order some stuff from the website that it's only hands on can get it from the website. So look forward to seeing everybody there. Like I asked earlier, please share this with anybody. Let's get the word out. Great things happen in the Pacific Northwest, and we love to celebrate the game that we all love to do and be a part of. So without further ado, hope you enjoyed part one. Stay tuned for next week for part two. And a big shout-out and a big thank you to Kevin Agnew, Pullman High School head coach.